The following episode of America the Podcast contains depictions of violence, including sounds of gunfire, cannon fire, and gore. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. This episode of America the Podcast is brought to you by Real American Police Reform. Hey there, white American citizen without a care in the world. I see you and the missus are out on a leisurely walk. How you feeling today? Well, golly gee, just fine, mister. Wonderful. Now let me ask you a question. How would you feel if you lived in constant fear of being harassed and or murdered by the police while you were out on this walk of yours? Well, gee, I wouldn't like it one gosh darn bit, I tell you what. No, you wouldn't. And neither do the black and brown American citizens who face said fear every single day. Fear of instances such as being shot by the police while on a walk like the both of you. Being shot in front of one's own family after being pulled over for a busted taillight. Or being shot while asleep in one's own bed at night after the police serve a no-knock warrant. It's the kind of violent, racist behavior that one could call systemic. Well, golly, mister, that's horrible. I always thought the police were there to protect us and couldn't do anything wrong. I bet you did, you white son of a bitch. What was that? I said, ignorance is no excuse. Well, how can this be stopped? Well, I'm glad you finally asked. Introducing Real American Police Reform. With Real American Police Reform, you can do wonderful things, such as take away unnecessary military-grade weapons from police precincts, retrain officers to dismantle systemic racism in policing itself, reallocate funds in police budgets to allow mental health professionals to pair with police officers so that domestic and public disturbances can be dealt with safely and without bloodshed. Or to put it in plain Jane terms, you could simply defund the police. Yes, with real American police reform, each and every American citizen can sleep safe and sound without fear of having their door kicked in because some dipshit Gestapo wannabe read the warrant incorrectly. That's real American police reform, available wherever freedom is sold. Do you speak any other languages? Well, before I became the embodiment of an only hope for America, I spoke a few common foreign languages for trade purposes. Uh, French, Dutch, Portuguese, which I recently found out is not pronounced pork and cheese. Uh, a bit of German. Oh yes, the language is spoken by the tribes in the Mohican Confederacy in Massachusetts and uh, whatever language they speak in Spain. Don't really remember what it is, but it always sounded like Mexican to me. Jesus Christ. No, I'm pretty sure he only speaks Aramaic, Hebrew, and, of course, white Christian American. Right. Much like Christ, after my transfiguration, I also thought American was the only language worth speaking. However, after you berated me for several minutes attempting to convince me that the language I speak is something called English... I remembered I can make money by doing business in other countries. How did that make you remember international business exists? My brain marches to the beat of its own drum, usually war drums. Sometimes it's freeform jazz or even steel drums if I'm taking the day off to relax. As for my linguistic fluency, ever since I remembered the potential of making millions of foreign nations, I've been brushing up on the languages I already speak and have recently been taking lessons so that I can communicate with Chinese businessmen. Gotta love the Chinese. They may be communist, but at least they're capitalist at the same time. Not quite sure how that works, but I love it. 
Are you using, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, Duolingo? Absolutely not. I tried using it before, and then that damn owl started stalking me. I stopped for one day, and then I found a dead mouse on my porch with a note written in blood reading, Get back to your lessons. Ugh. Yeah, that'll happen. Yes, well, ever since that terrifying night, I've been taking my Chinese lessons from a telephone application called Foolingo. Okay, well, it's not Chinese, I'm pretty sure. Might be wrong, but I think the language you're learning is Mandarin. I'm not trying to talk to oranges, Timothy. I'm trying to speak with Chinese businessmen. Who knew they produced so many commercial products in that country? I can almost hear the American dollars filling my bank account. Uh, have you learned any phrases from Foolingo? Oh, yes. So far, I've learned the phrases Wo Shi Yiga Yo Chen Da Mego Yen, uh, Wo Bu Hui Shou Putong Kwa, and, uh, let's see, uh, Wo De Ying Hong Jung Hu Fong Wen De Ma Shi Yi Far Sen Su U Liu Zhen. Not entirely sure what those phrases mean, but I'm told they will help me do business in China. And before I get any listener letters, I'm going to keep my business out of Xinjiang. I'm not as amoral as Elon Musk, so chill out. Maybe just don't do business in China at all? Ta! Are you kidding? There are billions of people there, all with money. I'm not passing up an opportunity to exploit people for financial gain. Hello? Poster child for Reaganomics capitalism over here. Yeah, that tracks. Um, so what other languages were you most fluent in back in uh, the 1770s? Eh, probably French, but that was out of necessity because America was planning on invading, sorry, liberating Canada during and also after the revolution. France was also sort of helping America's revolution during the 1770s and 80s. Plus, I needed to be able to talk to the one and only Frenchman worth a damn. Who? Well, I invite you to find out tonight on America the Podcast. Ah, it's good to be back. Hello, America. It's America the Podcast. It was June 1777, and I was on the North Island near Georgetown in North Carolina. I had a medium-sized estate on the island itself, and only bought the estate because North Island had some of the best of my very favorite food at the time. As patriotic listeners know, I love me a bucket of lobster tail. While I was standing down at the docks one day, devouring my water roach butts, my gaze caught a young man decked out in French military garb getting off a cargo ship. I'd seen many people enter and exit the ships over the day, mostly immigrants seeking a new start, free from a life under the thumb of some inbred king. Back in my day, we loved immigrants. We still do, depending on who you ask. Immigrants made this country what it is, and they continue to make it greater with each passing day. Why, if it weren't for immigrants, we wouldn't even have the land we have today. Yes, with the help of immigrants, we procured the rest of America from the indigenous population <laughs> fair and square, and with zero bloodshed. So you're just going to say a blatantly false thing now? Oh, no, I mean zero bloodshed on my part. I manifest destinyed the entire country and didn't get a single scratch on me in the process. But you killed a ton of indigenous people. I absolutely did not. There wasn't a single indigenous person killed by yours truly. United States Army did all of that. Ugh, terrible. I paid off America's native peoples when I legitimately purchased land from them. I also advised each president against taking tribal land by force. Not that they listened, but we'll get to that next season. Touchy subject. As for this season, we gotta finish the revolution, war, and deal with the aftermath. To do so, we need to meet that fellow over there. Who is he? 
I'm getting to that. As I was shouting, I slurped down the last of my meal when the young French military man caught my gaze. I will not lie, I developed a bit of a crush on him over the years, mostly because of his personal style and general psychotic nature when it came to killing redcoats. Upon seeing him, I made an L line for the man and- It's B line? What? Why would it be B line? Walking a line shaped like a B would take a lot of time and I would be walking in either one to two curved lines depending on if you're referring to a uh, lowercase or uppercase B. Jesus, you put a lot of thought into that, but that's not what it means. It refers to honeybees and how they guide each other to their nectar. Well, their guidance system of choice seems flawed. If they followed a lowercase l line instead, maybe they wouldn't be dying by the millions. I'm pretty sure that's happening because of all the fossil fuels you and your friends produce. That hasn't been proven too conservative, so it is therefore categorically untrue. Now, let's get to my new French friend. Uh, go ahead. Now then, I approached the man and asked him where he was from. The fuck, are you sprinting towards him? Yes, I too can be what they call thirsty at times. Ahoy there, young man! Key! What? Indeed! You caught my eye from afar and do not seem like a typical voyager to our great country. What brings you to America? Je suis ici pour joindre la combat pour la liberté. Je souhaite souffrir sur pays dans l'espoir d'en créer un avenir meilleur pour toute l'humanité. Un avenir où tout pourront vraiment vivre libre. Ah, you're here to join America's fight and create a better future for all mankind, you say? Well then, it seems you may be a man after my own heart. Eh, uh, quoi? Uh, by that I mean the country, of course. Oh my god, are you getting an erection? A little bit, yes. Becoming the embodiment of an only hope for America made me get turned on by the mere idea of absolute freedom and liberty. Plus, as you can see, this soon-to-be-named Frenchman was a bit of a snack. He didn't notice what was happening, though. See how colonial pants were on the baggier side in the crotch area? Yeah. That was to help hide all of the boners that closeted colonial men would get after becoming aroused by each other. But alas, it would be generations before it would be okay to be openly sexually fluid and display one's erection. Well, the sexually fluid thing, yeah, but definitely not publicly displaying the boners. That's still not okay. It is if you have enough money. Gross. Yes, well... After I almost fainted at the sound of this stranger's words of liberated wisdom, I pulled myself together enough to introduce myself and shake the man's hand. Well, my friend, if fighting for liberty is what you're after, you've come to the right place. The name's Thebediah Say Starred, American Patriot. And whom might you be, and do you speak our magnificent nation's terrific tongue? Oui, I do, and it is a pleasure to meet you, Monsieur Stoud. Je m'appelle Marie-Joseph Paul-Yves Roche-Gilbert du Montier. De la uh, that's a bit long. I actually almost just fell asleep listening to you say all of that. May I call you, uh, what was one of those names? Oh, how about Gilbert? Or maybe Gil for short. Gil's good, right? Eh, uh, no, no, not Gil. Messi, uh, maybe the Marquis? Oh, well, what about Mark? Oh, that is not how that word works, Monsieur. Then what can I call you, good stranger? Eh, uh, appelle-moi just, uh, Lafayette. Lafayette, Lafayette. The hell was that? Quoi? Uh, nothing. I thought I heard a faint sound. Must have been the wind. Very good, my new friend. Now then, you said you were looking for a fight, yes? Oui, monsieur. Very good. Have your men tend to your belongings and I'll take you to the room where it happens. Yes. A city that will forever be known as the center of American freedom and will never be viewed in any negative light whatsoever. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
Wait, did your past self hear the Marquis' theme right there? Indeed. I had an idea of who and what I had become, but didn't really notice anything different about myself or the world around me after my transfiguration on the eve of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Not until this moment, that is. I eventually noticed that no one was hearing the universe bellow out this man's name, which prompted me to begin noticing changes to my existence. It's partially why I kept calling him Gil or Marquis. I also usually tried to keep my reactions to myself so as to avoid questions to which I did not yet know the answer. Got it. After staying with my friend and wealthy landowner, Benjamin Hugger, for a couple of weeks, I took my new friend Gil to the halls of Congress so he could plead his case for military enlistment. Like me and many of my colonial comrades, Gil was a member of the Masonic Order, so getting in with my crowd of aristocratic countrymen was easy. However, it wasn't enough to immediately convince Congress that he was right for the job. Next order of business, we have, uh, ah, oh, Mr. Stout of Boston. Good day to you, Thebidias. It's good to see you well. Likewise, John. What brings you before this Congress? Well, my friends, a man I have come to know has a desire to serve our great nation. He has training and comes from a wealthy, noble military family in France. Absolutely not. We've had enough of those damn French bastards come here to enlist. None of them can even speak the common tongue. Uh, pardon me, Monsieur Hancock. Uh, I do speak your language, although I admittedly need some, uh, how you say, uh, practice. And who are you? Je m'appelle the Marquis de Lafayette. Hell, did anyone just hear that? Hear what, Monsieur Stoud? Uh, never mind. My apologies. Get it together, Thebidias. As for this kid you brought. What are you, 17? I am Disno. I, I mean, uh, uh, 19. But I was raised and taught by some of the most brilliant French military minds. I know I can serve this great nation well as a major general. Tcha! The ball's on you, thinking you can just enlist at that level at your age. I'm tired of these people just coming here for glory. You're only in it for yourselves and not the country. Why don't you go fuck yourself and get out of here, you French asshole? Pourquoi? Come on, John, ease up on the boy. I hate the French as much as the next American, but this one has heart, not to mention a lust and a love for liberty not seen outside yours truly. Eh, please. I got an idea. You're rich, right, Gil? Oui, but please do not call me Gil. We have been over this. We'll work on it. Okay, John, what if the Marquis here did the job for less money? What good is coin if one does not have freedom, Monsieur Stout? Well... I will do it for free, Monsieur Hancock. I have enough money. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. What is so humorous? <laughs> you, you said the phrase, enough money. <laughs> Wait, w w was that was that not a joke? Uh, no, Monsieur. Oh, well, holy shit. John, come on, he's offering to do it pro bono. A young, attractive... I am unsure why that Major matters. general from a French military family, and we get him for free. We can't pass this up, my friend. Ah, very well. You're hereby granted the rank of Major General. Can you take care of getting him placed with a commanding officer, Mr. Stodd? Indeed I can. I know just the general for you, my friend. Congratulations, Major General Gil du Montier. See who play, Monsieur Stout. No more Gil. Just call me Major General Lafayette. And with that, it's time for me to make up some of the money I lost betting on Super Bowl 56 this year. What happened? I bet on the Dallas Cowboys to win. 
Weren't they kicked out early in the playoffs and, like, embarrassingly so? Indeed, but I thought since they were America's team, they would still come out on top somehow. Like a secret third team that sneaks onto the field and wins at the last second. Do you know how football works? I do not. Well, that's not entirely true. I did help set up the NFL as a non-profit organization and guided all of the team owners on how to make the taxpayers pay for their football stadiums in any given city. As for this podcast, it too is non-profit, at least at the moment, mostly because the commercials aren't running. However, the show will be a for-profit podcast again after I receive the trillion-dollar cash flow from these upcoming ads. We'll be right back. It's America, the podcast. This episode of America the Podcast is brought to you by Dog Waste Bags. Dog Waste Bags. You can use them to clean up after your dog, Angela. back, America. Let's see, where was I? Uh, the Marquis had just been given the rank of Major General. Ah, yes. The enlistment of my good friend Gil, a name I will continue to use so as to not trigger his goddamn theme song. Whose theme song? Lafayette's. God damn it, you did that on purpose. I mean, it's a pretty cool theme. Well, I can't argue with that, but no more. I need to tell my story about Lafayette. Okay, that one was on me. Anyways, as I was shrieking, good old Gil became a major general and I knew who he would fit best with. A man who would soon view Gil as the son he never had. None other than the king of the retreat himself, General George Washington. Why didn't Washington have kids? He and Martha didn't want to risk having them be born with wooden teeth. I don't think that's how that works. I also heard his teeth were taken from slaves and hippos. Is that true? Yep. Jesus, who knew the founding fathers were such shitty people? I mean, me. I did. I've been speaking about their general shittiness as well as their contributions for what seems like years. The majority of them made me look like a saint, which is not okay, as I am a demigod, and saints are what we in the ethereal realm call lower class. Why were you friends with them? Friend is a strong word. They were useful to my endeavors. I tolerated them and literally every other shitty person back then. You think these people were bad? Just wait until the next season when we cover the frontier. Jesus, fuck, what was that? Like I shouted, you'll see or rather hear next season. As for this spellbinding season about the American Revolution, I'm about to introduce Gil to George. The oh hello guys? No, the people over there. Oh, Washington and Lafayette. God damn it! <laughs> I just wanted to see if it would work for me. Keep it up and maybe you won't make it out of the void of time next uh, time. What do you mean, next time? <clears throat> Even though America needed soldiers, most were not sold on the people perpetually prancing into town from other countries like France just so they could seek glory in the battlefield. Let's go to July 31st, 1777, and I'll let General Washington explain. Greetings, Thebadias. What brings you to our camp, my friend? I have a new major general for you, sir, and I've got a good feeling about him. General Washington, meet Major General Gil... Uh, I mean, Major General Lafayette. Lafayette, 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 give me some of that. 
Bonjour, General. It is a pleasure to meet you. God damn it, Thebadias! Another Frenchman? I understand your reservations, General, but he's good for the job. Aside from myself, I've never heard a man speak on liberty and freedom with more passion than he. I can't explain it, but I believe God is audibly telling me that this one is special. All these French bastards want is glory. They don't care about our cause. Pardon me, General, but I must take offense. I evaded many different powerful people to get here. I even purchased the cargo on the boat I sailed on to assure I made it here to fight for this land and your cause, which is my cause too. Liberty and freedom are not just words to me, General. They are a way of life. We were put here on this earth by God Almighty himself to experience nothing less. I will fight until my last breath to ensure the safety, freedom, and liberty of every man, woman, and child in America. You have my world as a Christian, a Frenchman, and most importantly, a patriot. Also, sir, he's doing it for free and has connections to the highest-ranking French military officers. Mm, free doesn't necessarily mean good, Mr. Stard, but if you trust him... I do as well. Give him a regiment, and I want you to personally keep an eye on him, Thebadias. You understand me? Yes, sir. I won't let you or the country down. Damn, why did Washington hate French people so much? Well, like most Americans at the time, he hated everyone who wasn't Christian, white, and most importantly, American. Gil was at least two of those things, so he had that going for him. But also, a buttload of Frenchmen had come to this country simply to seek fame and glory on the battlefield. A buttload? Well, 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 Mr. Beeline means honeybees. Look who doesn't know something for once. A buttload is a measurement of wine, and I only know that because it's how I measure the amount of wine I drink in a single day. A Frenchman is also a measurement of wine, but it's a much larger quantity than a buttload. Right. As for the Frenchman who came to fight in the America, the podcast presents the American Revolution. General Washington found that the battle prowess of these French glory seekers was worth about as much as the cannonballs that blew their heads off. At least until Gill took command. How so? Well, as you heard, General Washington more or less wrote Gill off as cannon fodder. But over the next month, the Marquis, i.e. French guy Gill, and George became more than just commanding officer and minion. They became father and son. Gill was even injured in the Battle of Brandywine in the fall of 77, and General Washington commanded the medic to treat Gill as if he were Washington's own child. How did Luff, I mean... Gill or uh, the Marquis do in battle throughout the rest of the revolution with Washington having his back like that. Well, to put it plainly, as I am always known for, we would not have a country without good old Gill. With his military connections, zeal, and general smoothness, the Marquis was able to procure six French ships and 6,000 troops before what would become known as the Battle of Yorktown. Gill also halted a military coup known as Conway's Cabal with that same smoothness. What happened there? A group of high-ranking military officers led by General Thomas Conway created a plan to replace General Washington as Commander-in-Chief in late 1777, early 78. At one point, the Cabal decided it was a good idea to invite the Marquis to dinner in an effort to recruit him. However, when a toast was given to Congress, Marquis Gill chimed in and said, And to General Washington. When that happened, everyone realized that Washington likely knew about the cabal and it fizzled out. <laughs> Horatio Gates was even involved and had to issue a public apology. It was hilarious watching that idiot squirm. Were you aware of the cabal? 
Not until after it had been dissolved. If I had been made aware, well, let's just say I don't just like yelling fire in public places. I also like participating in fires as well. So you're saying you would have burnt down the house the Cabal met in with everyone inside? See? You do understand me. How have you not been arrested for arson? Oh, I have been. 38 times. But I just paid off a judge each time and was on my fire-starting way afterward. I believe Stephen King even wrote a book called Firestarter loosely based on my exploits in arson. I was a little hurt that they asked Drew Barrymore to be in the movie and not me, but I was mixed up in the beginning stages of Iran-Contra at the time, so I don't think my schedule would have allowed for it. Right. Well, uh, what about the Marquis' fighting ability? Ah, yes. One last short tale before I conclude this absolutely fantastic podcast episode worthy of a 2022 Webby Award. Yeah, you hear that, Webbies? We're coming for those awards, you sons of bit- I mean, wonderful, self-appointed council of people who decide the success of digital creators. May the gods smile upon you. And I can get them to do that, too. I'm close friends with at least six of them. Anyways... My story about the Mortal Kombat level finishing move from Lafayette. It was May 1778. The Marquis and his men were having some fun engaging with the British Army. I relayed an order from General Washington telling us to keep moving, but good old Gill decided to make camp at Barren Hill. Generals Potter and Poor, along with 2,100 men and five or six cannons were there as well, I believe. Never really liked General Poor, can't really put my finger on why. Uh, because you don't like the pores, like you say all of the time? Ta! You are indeed correct. I also did not like the situation we were in. It was risky being camped where we were, as Gil was already a target in the eyes of the British. So much so that when word got out that we were camped at Baron Hill, British General Howe wrote to his fellow commanders stating, We're gonna get the boy. <laughs> the boy? Yes, a not-so-clever nickname. Gill was a symbol of American relations with the French and a huge pain in the ass to the British forces. How? Well, stop asking questions so I can tell you. Just stand over there and watch while the audience listens. Fine. Well, Gill, you stepped in it this time. Stop calling me Gill. We are fine, fair bastard. Wait, is that how you got your nickname? Sort of. Multiple people have called me that throughout my life, and it doesn't help that my name looks like that on paper. Irregardless, we're in a tense moment. Shut it. Here, I'll rewind. Whoa! Keep that remote from the movie Click away from me. I ain't going back to the void of time. It's fine. I had Christopher Walken fix it. Well, Gil, you stepped in it this time. Stop calling me Gil. We are fine, fair bastard. Ah, clever. Did your fancy French education help you come up with that? We, oui, it did. Ugh, listen, Laffy. The general explicitly told us to observe the British, harass them when possible, and then move along, not stay in one place. Now we have thousands of British troops on their way. We need to go. We cannot, monsieur. We seem to be surrounded. Shit, you're right. They got us backed against the goddamn cliff. Well then, what's your plan, Major General? The only thing I can think of is hiding in the trees, but that will only delay our demise at the hands of the goddamn crown. That is it, Monsieur Stout. Porter, Paul, has the men line up in single file on the tree line in groups of trois or quatre. Where are you going with this? They have more men, we? Oui? Indeed. Thousands more. Then we make them believe we have even more. We have the group spread out and attack in bursts until we all make it down the cliff face. You're one crazy son of a bitch, my friend. I like your style. All right, you heard the man. Everyone head to the forest and get into groups of three or four. 
One group pops out of the tree line, takes out a few bloody backs, and the second group takes over while the first falls back to reload. Let's show General Howe what America's made of. Did that work? Oh yes, we took out hundreds of British troops, all while making them think we had more men than we did. I believe I killed 14 myself. The whole battle was basically everyone leapfrogging out of the tree line. Those limey assholes didn't know what hit them. Well, that's not entirely true. They knew they had been hit by musket balls once they, you know, died. Right. Well, damn, the Marquis sounds fucking rad. Indeed he was fucking rad. He has towns across America named after him. He even helped free a former slave named James Armistad who served as a spy during the revolution. Gil came back from France after the war to testify in front of Congress on James's behalf when he knew the man's freedom was on the line. James would later take the Marquis's last name in honor of him. Gil was also instrumental in multiple French revolutions and helped overthrow Napoleon. He even helped hunt down a certain traitor to our nation, but we'll get to that next time. Yes, the Marquis was the most American Frenchman I ever had the pleasure of knowing. I mean, well, I, I still know him, we just don't talk as often. Like you don't talk to his ghost? Oh no, he's still very much alive. He's currently serving as the embodiment of an only hope for France. Oh shit, really? Can I meet him? Yes, but he doesn't do interviews, so it'll have to be off the air. That's fine. Damn, so many embodiments. Indeed. There's an embodiment for most things. Uh, countries, ideologies, every state in the Union, embodiments of various belief systems, political parties, all demigods like myself, but lesser than. In addition to being the embodiment of an only hope for America, I also used to be the embodiment of the GOP. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. What happened there? Donnie took it from me back in 2017. Ugh, I lost a prime parking spot at the Illuminati headquarters because of it. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I'm interested in seeing who the embodiment of Texas is. Well, you'll have to find that out next season. For now, we end this episode with the knowledge that America would not be where it is today without the help from friends, albeit friends that are just helping you to piss off their neighbors. America's greatest friend was a boy who believed in something greater than himself and wanted to see his fellow humans thrive. He lived, breathed, and bled for the core values of America, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Without his help, genius, and straight-up dumb luck at certain points, both America and France would have continued life as usual under unelected, inbred, hereditary monarchs. He fought our revolution and then fought two more in his homeland after ours. He was indeed a true man of honor. May all who continue to fight for those core values always and forever remember the name of one of the greatest American patriots to ever live. Good old Gil. Dude, you know he hated that name. Yes, yes. Well, then a toast to the world's greatest Frenchman and second greatest American, Marie-Joseph-Paul-Yves Roche-Gilbert du Montier, a.k.a. the Marquis de Lafayette. This has been America the Podcast presents the American Revolution. The show is produced and distributed by Shway Media and is part of the Shway Media Podcast Network. The show is created by Tim Phillippe and is hosted by me, Thabadias A. Starred, a.k.a. the Bastard, a.k.a. the embodiment of an only hope for America. Writers for the show include Tim Phillippe, Alana Matos, and of course me, Thabadias A. Starred. Andrew K. Turner and Alexa Schreffler write for my very important social media platforms. The show is recorded in Shway Media Studios and is mixed and edited by Tim Phillippe. 
producers for America, the podcast, are Tim Philippi and Alana Matos. Due to some audio issues we experienced while traveling through the space-time continuum or something dumb like that, additional voices in this show were provided by Thebediah Stard, Tim Philippi, and Alana Matos. The show's theme song was composed by Timmy Two-Step, and all other music and sound effects heard in the show were procured through Storyblocks, Freesound.org, Ambient Mixer, Soundcrate, Accusonus, and Sonus. Lots of Sonuses out there. The show is available on all podcast directories and YouTube. While reviews on any and all podcast apps are greatly appreciated, I humbly request that you leave a five-star review in iTunes so that we may finally overtake the political podcast dynasty known as Pod Save America. They're not even funny. We know funny. Wait, do we know funny? We do not. Well then, let's overtake them anyways, America. For America! For daily video messages such as Previously on America and America's Word of the Day, Follow the show on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at America the Podcast. And don't forget to check out all of the other spectacular Shway Media shows on the Shway Media Podcast Network at shwaymedia.com. There, did I say your name enough, you podcast overlords? All right, that's it. Go on now, you hear? been a production of Shui Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shuimedia.com.